And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 281. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. We're a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network and the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin. I had a complaint that I was talking too fast, so we're going to <laughs> be a little bit more um, deliberate in our word choice this week, folks. So, uh, yeah, I know I, I tend to get excited and want to get through the show. And, yeah, you know you know how it goes. But anyway, I uh, hope you all are enjoying uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. That's out this weekend. And uh, Pete and I have not seen it. We're, we're not the kind of people who go to see a movie the first weekend, usually. Um, but I do think that we might go see it this coming weekend. Of course, at that time, that will be last week by the time this show airs, because we're recording two weeks in advance. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, I hope everyone's enjoying it. It looks like a fun movie so far, but of course, we haven't seen it. And we'll, we'll talk about it some other time when, when people have had a chance to see it, because, uh, we, of course, we don't want any spoilers around here. All right, so uh, this week, we're actually going to be shifting gears again. We've just had, uh, what, five issues of the Girl Thor series, wrapped up the first story arc of that series, and uh, now we're going to move to another location back a year, um, just less than a year ago, we covered Thor number 25, which is, of course, Thor volume two, and we're going to carry on from there with the next story arc, and um, yeah, so that's what we're doing. Uh, yeah, it, it always seems like it, it seems like a while since we've revisited that. And so, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and, and move on for uh, a little bit with that. All right. And with no further ado, let's go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. Indeed, and this week we are looking at The Mighty Thor, number 26. Of course, that's volume two. And we have the cover artist by Mike Mignola. And it shows Thor and the Absorbing Man. And they are both very oddly shaped. Uh, they have this sort of weird shaped torsos and little squat legs. Um, and, of course, being Mignola is a very, very stylized. Thor's face is in complete shadow, even though there really shouldn't be a shadow here, judging by the placement of the light. But at least not a deep shadow like the one that's there. Um, this issue came out in August of 2000 and retailed for $2.25. We open up to the splash page where we have Heimdall standing on the Rainbow Bridge. We get a little bit of exposition here to establish the scene. Far beyond mortal man's understanding of time and space, beyond even his wildest dreams of reality, is a place of sublime majesty, an eternal tribute to the aspirations of the gods themselves. Asgard, 
Such a realm deserves an equally proficient guardian, Heimdall. And Heimdall is standing there with a sword in front of him, as we've often seen him in the past. Looking kind of Simonson-y, I have to say. With extraordinary senses that are virtually limitless, the mighty sentry is able to detect the approach of any who draw near, be they foe or friend unsurpassed. And we get a double-page spread here for the splash. The mighty Thor, home. Dan Jurgens was the writer. Eric Larson did the breakdowns, and Claus Johnson did the finishes. Eric Larson here drawing very much in the style of Johnny Romita Jr. Uh, Gregory Wright did the colors. R.C. and Comic Crafts, Wes Abbott did the letters. Tom Brevoort was the editor, and Bob Harris was the imperial overseer. And Thor lands on the Rainbow Bridge, and he is accompanied by the recorder, who, as everybody recalls, was pretty much smashed into goo last issue. So it's odd that he is intact now, but I imagine that we will be hearing the story of that. And uh, Thor says, Hath thy mechanical eyes ever beheld such grandeur as Asgard doth offer recorder? Truly, Thor's heart soars to be again within the shadows of the realm eternal and her intrepid protector, Heimdall. Statement, Asgard's beauty is well documented by a neutral observer of events such as myself. Conclusion, describing it as a kingdom without equal is quite appropriate. And uh, Thor goes up to say hello to Heimdall and he says, Heimdall, my friend and fellow warrior, I pray thee smile, for the news I speak of is good indeed. Not only is Thanos defeated, yes, he was defeated by Spooji Tears last issue, if you remember, but Tarin is safe with Tananile and the colonizers. Why, even the recorder hath been repaired. The time for revelry and merriment hath come. And Heimdall is still gloomy, says, Nay, I fear not to so, Odin, son. Thou art troubled, sure. Speakest thou of why? Doth some new threat loom over us all? "'Tis not the place of one so lowly as I to inform thee, Thunder God. I bid thee hasten to thy father's chamber. There shalt the news be learned." And Thor looks shocked, and he, he, uh, we get a close-up of his very toothy grimace here, and he says, "'By the thousand threats of Ragnarok, the concern in thy voice is alarming indeed. To my side, recorder, t'would seem Odin might be imperiled.'" And they go rushing off into uh, Odin's castle, where they are confronted by Balder, Sif, and Frigg. Frigga, Balder, my lady Sif, where is the giver of justice and wisdom of the, all the nine worlds? Where is Odin? Tis apparent that Thor knowest not, mother, as thou art the wife of Odin, the job of informing him doth fall upon thee. If some calamity hath befallen my father... Sheathe thine anger, Thor, for Odin lives. Over the last few months he hath suffered greatly at the hands of the dark gods and the poisons of Tarrakis. Thus must he now replenish his might and renew his spirit as only he can. Thou speakest of the Odin sleep, says Thor. Query, is that not the slumber which grants Odin life eternal and power everlasting? Aye, says Thor. The deepest of sleeps from which he cannot be awakened, even if Asgard doth stand on the brink of destruction. My lord hath not passed into slumber yet, for he did wish audience with thee, Thor. To deliver orders on the deposition of his throne, no doubt. 
and uh, Thor goes into Odin's bedchamber, and we get very much a uh, a copy almost of uh, the the Kirby page back in uh, what is it, Thor Annual number one, where uh, Odin is in his fur onesie. He's got kind of a tabard thing over it this time, so it's not quite as adorable as it used to be. Uh, but he is in his race car bed, so <laughs> it's still it's still pretty adorable. My father and liege. Knowest thou that Thor is forever humbled in thy presence? As I am in thine, my son, thou art to be congratulated for thy stalwart victory over Thanos. Thanks to the courage and strength thou didst pass on to me, sire, says Thor. Forgive my negligence in attending thee, most noble father. I had no idea thou wert weakened so. Tis a recent development. Preparing my weapons for thy triumphant battle against Thanos did sap the last of my energy. Alas, I must now partake of the Odin sleep. T'was my intent to return to Midgard, father. But as prince of the realm, tis my duty to remain and carry on in thy stead. Nay, my son, says Odin, well do I know of the bond for yon mortal world. Thus I have appointed another to... to... <coughs> And Odin is asleep, and Thor turns away. Sleepest thou well, my father. The whispering wind shall sing of thy glory, and the multitude shall exult on the day of thine awakening. And he walks out into the hallway where the uh, three companions uh, still remain. And Baldur says, The mightiest of the mighty emerges. Hath the great sleep come to pass? Aye, Baldur, says Thor. With that, the one whom Odin has entrusted the Ring Imperial doth rule us all. Thou shalt do so wisely, Baldur, for tis most surely thee to whom the mantle of leadership falls. Nay, I thought... T'was not Baldur who was chosen. Surprisingly, the omnipotent selected... Me, says Sif, and we get a, a half-page spread here of Sif, and she is wearing the Odin ring and her hand-looking very large, and her arm is doing something that is, it is completely physically impossible. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's not the greatest panel here. Even, even Kirby didn't stretch anatomy quite this far. And she, she looks uh, a bit chagrined to be wearing the Odin ring on her very, very long fingers. Her fingers are actually as long as her forearm, which, uh, yeah, that, that's a bit odd. Beautious stiff! Thou wearest the ring imperial. Tis most passing strange indeed. Have a care, Thunder God, for though woman I be, I too have spilled blood in Asgard's defense. T'was not my intent to slight thee. So I would hope. When Odin did slip the ring imperial upon my finger, he said I was best suited for the trials to come. Then t'would seem the time hath come for Thor to take his leave. Indeed, says Sif. And he takes off, and uh, we shift scenes to uh, to Earth, and uh, we have uh, people, various kind of um, vagrants and prostitutes and that kind of people hanging out in the streets, uh, probably New York City. Yes, it is, according to the caption. Envision Asgard's golden spires, polished, gleaming streets, radiant aura, and the endless majesty of its noble residence. Then consider the dirt, grit, and lost souls that might inhabit the opposite of such a place. And you have New York City. 
and we come upon uh, a hooded figure. Well, he's not really hooded. He's wearing a, a trench coat, and he's got his back to us, but we see he's got kind of a conical bald head, and so that tells us that is is, of course, the absorbing man who appears on the cover. And um, he's going past somebody on the street. He's like, out of my way before I crush your skull, creep. And the person's like, whoa. And he enters into a sort of run-down tenement-type building. And there's somebody um, asleep or dead on the, uh, uh, on the stoop. And he kind of steps over and he says, home. Fact I come to live in such a dump. Why, it's unthinkable. And yeah, it really is horrible. I mean, the stairs are falling apart and there's rats and they're running around in the open. And anyway, he goes into the apartment and the door is like, Hun, I'm back. Ain't got much, but I got what I could. Of course, you got to know your Crusher is going to take care of you, right? And we just get a, a face view of, uh, of Crusher Creel here. His ears looking very much like paddles. Um, because there's no anatomy to his ears whatsoever. Anyway, so uh, he goes to a, a rather filthy mattress laying on the floor, and we have the emaciated form of uh, Titania uh, is laying there kind of wrapped in a sheet, and we've got a leaky radiator, and yeah, so the whole the whole scene is, is pretty squalid. Mary, hun, you okay? Crusher, is that you? And he has some sort of, uh, oh, he's got a bottle of aspirin, and he, he's trying to make her drink the aspirin. Well, yeah, um, okay. Here you go, hon. This will make you feel better, because people drink aspirin all the time. That and these aspirin was pretty much all I could swipe. Um, and I, I hate to say it, but he, he did actually feed her the aspirin. That is... Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't something else. So it was aspirin and aspirin. Take Watson and maybe you'll feel better, okay? No, Crusher, I'm hurting bad, honey. It's too late. I think, I think I'm going home, Crusher. I think I'm going home. No, don't never say that. Never. And it looks like uh, the absorbing man is going to cry. The cancer's dug in deep, Crusher. Only thing that can help me now is a hospital. How, says Crusher. We're broke and we got no insurance. And the minute you set foot in the joint, you'd get arrested. Crusher, honey, if we don't do something soon, I'll end up dying in this rat-infested dump of a... <coughs> Mary? And um, she uh, coughs up blood on her hand and, um, and Crusher's like, That tears it. I'm going to get you all the help you need, honey. I swear it. And we get another close-up of his face looking really angry. And we shift scenes, and we have Thor flying over the city, flying down into an alleyway to change back into the form of Jake Olsen. Yes, he is still Jake Olsen at this point in time. And Thor says, Midgard Fair. Later though I was to walk among the fabled streets of Asgard, the lively sights of New York City are ever endearing as well. Too much time hath passed since I last pursues the matters and affairs of my mortal guise. Jake Olsen, as he changes back. And we then shift scenes, and Jake uh, was in standing in somebody's office, obviously uh, somebody named Mr. Ryan. And he's looking for his job back as an EMT. What do you think I am, Olsen, an idiot? Not at all, Mr. Ryan. Your skills as an EMT are superior. 
But after all the trouble you caused, I couldn't possibly hire you back. Please, Mr. Ryan, your own brother was a drug-dealing murderer who rode in your place for crying out loud. On top of that, you had the highest absentee record in the history of the company. I wouldn't hire you back for cleaning toilets. But, but nothing. Take a hike. But, that's just where I'm going to kick you if you don't ship out. And we hear a voice coming off from the uh, side of the, uh, the panel. You do me a huge favor by rehiring Jake Thomas. Demetrius? So yeah, it's Demetrius and uh, his sister. Along with my sister Christine, she's the one who got me inside so I could nail your brother in the first place, Jake. What you say, Thomas? How about doing a cop a favor and bringing Jaco back on board? What's it to you, Detective Collins? The man can save more lives than anyone else you got, that's what. So uh, Jake, in the meantime, is talking to Demetrius' sister. I didn't know Demetrius had a med tech for his sister. He tells me you're the best, Jake. <laughs> and Demetrius is still trying to convince uh, Tom. You owe me, Tom. And I do need a partner, says the sister. All right, all right, you win. And we shift uh, to inside the hospital, and we have a couple of familiar faces here. We have Keith Kincaid, who somebody on the Facebook group had asked about recently. I believe that was uh, Gene who asked about that. And Jane Foster, who we've seen recently in a very different type of role. And Keith says, I don't know about you, Jane, but I can't wait to dine at La Chateau tonight. Me either, Keith. Seems like we haven't been out in ages. You lovebirds are too much. And that's uh, Hannah. And, uh, and of course, uh, we now have the uh, absorbing man. He is entering into the hospital. You in charge him, missy. And uh, Hannah says, I'm on a fair amount, and all I handle are admissions. Do you have an emergency, Mr. Creel? And yeah, I got me an emergency. My wife needs a doctor, and she needs one now. I'm sorry, but we can't do house calls. Bring your wife in, and we'll take very good care of her. No, that ain't possible. If Crusher Creel can't walk out of here with a doctor, then the absorbing man will. And he rips his shirt off, and he pulls his giant ball and chain out from under his coat. How it didn't show from under his coat before, I will never know. And he takes his ball and chain and he smashes Hannah's desk with a bract. And Hannah's like, good heavens. So Creel grabs uh, Jane by the arm and he's like, you, you're a doc. And uh, Keith Kincaid leaps at the, the absorbing man. He's like, unhand my wife, you monster. I didn't want to hurt nobody. And then he bashes uh, Kincaid in the face with a, a ball and chain. That cannot have felt good. And maybe that's why Kincaid has been written out of the series. <laughs> you money, you phony money-grubbing docs are too high and mighty to get out and really help people. So if we got to do this the hard way, it's your fault. And um, so he drags Jane Foster off with him. Keith is laying on the ground. And we don't see what his face looks like after being bashed with a, a ball and chain. But Hannah's like, Keith, this is emergency admissions. We need help, and we need it now, she says on the radio. Please, firemen, even the Marines, if you have them. And Jake hears that, and he's like, is that Hannah? The absorbing man just tore through here. 
Heimdall's eyes, says Jake. Let's go. But we haven't been officially dispatched to... Christine, we're going. And the two of them go running off, and she's like, Demetrius told me you didn't do things by the book. You check things out inside while I scope the exterior. And be careful. The absorbing man can take on the properties of anything he touches. He's deadly. And we get an ass shot here of uh, Christine. Uh, she goes running in. Olsen barks out orders like a drill sergeant. Everyone okay in here? And, of course, not everybody is okay. And we have a person wearing a Captain America shirt in the foreground for some reason. And Hannah's like, no, Dr. Kincaid is, is, oh, geez, look at him. I wish Jake was here to handle this. Jake, Jake Olson is back, says Hannah, because, you know, you got to have your priorities. And uh, Jake goes running off into an alleyway, and we see that the, uh, the shadow on the wall is actually that of Thor, which I assume is artistic license, but he picks his uh, fist up to bang on the ground, and he says, the absorbing man may be too much for me to handle, but not too much for... Th and he's interrupted by a voice that says, you, get out of my way, Torp. And it is, of course, the absorbing man, and he uh, is carrying Jane and goes rushing past, knocks Jake on his ass, and um, Jake goes, ugh. Put her down, Creel. You know me? Well, you should have known well enough to stay out of my way. And he swings his ball and chain at Jake, and Jake is knocked back. Um, you know, somehow it doesn't look like he got hit by it, so I don't know why. Jane is like, Jake, you've returned. Oh, you heard him. Put me down so I can help him. And yeah, so uh, Creel's got her over his shoulder, and we get an ass shot of Jane as well. And Creel goes running off. Not a chance, lady. I got someone who needs help a lot more than he does. Sides. Only help he needs now is probably from a mortician. And we get a little bit of thought bubble sear from Jane. And she's like, oh, Jake, without your help, I'm as good as dead. Next issue, Life and Death. And that is the Mighty Thor Volume 2, number 26. And of course, we'll be talking all about that right after this message. Two hundred and twenty-nine different characters spanning the galaxies of the Legion of Superheroes, presented across seven comic book issues. A new miniseries as part of the Who's Who podcast. To handle this many characters, the Irredeemable Shag is bringing in a ringer, or maybe we should call them flight ringers. Who's who in the Legion of Who's who in the Legion of Who's who in the Legion of Superheroes? The Legion of Superheroes. In the Legion of Superheroes. The Legion of Superbloggers team up to present Who's Who in the Legion of Superheroes, a three-episode miniseries in 2017, part of the Who's Who podcast on the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Long live the Legion. And we're back, and of course I do have a few things to say about the issue, as we always do. Uh, first of all, it's interesting to be back in Thor Volume 2 again, and, and it's interesting the difference between the storytelling of Jason Aaron and Dan Jurgens. We actually have a lot of 
Jurgens just kind of barreling ahead with a story really kind of puts Jason Aaron in a very different kind of space. Obviously, decompressed storytelling is the thing now. You want to keep that story to five or six issues for the trade. And, you know, I mean, back during this time, they weren't really thinking of it in the same way. Now, reading this as coming right on the heels of the last story arc, you know, it... it it seems a little bit odd to think that Jake Olson is not going to get hired back because, I mean, when we last saw Jake Olson just a couple of issues ago, he was the big hero. So it's, it is interesting. Now, the fact that we've been away from this for a year makes it seem more plausible. Yeah, okay, well, they wouldn't offer him his job back. But, of course, um, you know, people are rather easy to convince to, to bring him back on board when you have you know, Demetrius and so forth um, vouching for him. So anyway, yeah, so that's interesting. Um, obviously, decompressed storytelling is not quite the thing back then. So we actually get an action-packed issue. We have a lot going on. We've got an actual motivation for the absorbing man that makes sense. Um, now, not the whole trashing the hospital bit and, and smacking Kincaid in the face with a ball and chain, but... The, the idea that he is desperate for help and he is going to go and, and get help by any means necessary, that makes sense. And it just goes to show you, you know, this rather more linear storytelling style that, that we're able to cover this in, in 20 minutes rather than 40 minutes. So, yeah. So art-wise, they're actually trying to echo the sort of J.R. Jr. style. It doesn't always work, but by and large, it looks okay. Um, you know, Johnson has been used to, to inking J.R. Jr., and if he's working from kind of pencil roughs is, is what it looks like he is, actually. And, and Larson is, is pretty good at aping other artists. I mean, we've seen Eric Larson's work before in, in the show, aping Kirby. So, you know, he's actually not bad at aping other artists. And, and we've seen, you know, some pretty good stuff from him over the years. And it is interesting. The, uh, the story, you know, you know, it's basic. But that's okay because, you know, it is basic. And the artwork, well, you know, there's problems in it. But, you know, we have a little bit of Kirby being ripped off here with the Odin sleep stuff. That's okay. I mean, you know, you can call it an homage, call it what you will. And um, and hopefully, you know, it'll continue on and, and at least be an entertaining story. All right, so I don't have a whole lot more to say about this, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show. Thanks very much for listening, folks. We really do appreciate it. And, of course, uh, you can email the show if you want to. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Facebook. Just look for us there, and you will find us. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast, and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>